Hi guys, Princess here, and welcome to another episode of Princess Trapped in the Man Cave. <laughs> uh, you're listening to Buy Pumpkin, obviously, but um, because I am just a little bit behind this week, I am recording Saturday during the day. Every person in the entire house is home, which means I have to go in my husband's man cave, okay? Um, he likes to call it, call his office. Honestly, it's a place where he can play video games with like four screens and scream at things. Um, so as much as I hate the name Man Cave, I am grateful for this space because otherwise I would have to listen to him screaming at small children um, about video games. Not our small children, small children he's playing with on the internet. Have I ever told you guys about the time my husband uh, met up with someone who's been his friend for a very long time via Xbox? And when he met them, they were like 19. And so when this dude was like telling him about his girl problems and shit, and they were having these intense discussions about it, turned out he was like 13. Yeah. 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 Um, he doesn't like to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's no different from me and my internet friends, I guess. Um, I don't exactly know how old all my internet friends are or their whole situation. I famously tell Kara all the time. I don't know if she's podcasting for underneath a bridge or anything. I don't have, like, a lot of knowledge about her personal situations. Um... But I feel like if I were friends for six years with a 13-year-old, I would know. I feel like it. But maybe not. I don't know. Some of them, some of my internet friendships are very superficial. What the fuck am I talking about? Oh, I, you know what? It took me a little time to do my podcast this week. Mostly because I've just been tired. My husband's working like crazy, crazy, crazy hours. He didn't get home till 4.30 in the morning last night. And I was so tired. It was Bear Bear's uh, fourth birthday. And I, I, you know what? Maybe he's cheating on me, you know? He's like, I can't go. I have to stay at work till 2 a.m. Maybe he's cheating on me. Do I think he's cheating on me? Probably not. He's very disorganized. He needs me to help him organize all kinds of things. And the idea of him like, doing a whole fucking affair and he's also a really bad liar a whole fucking affair is like sounds impossible but you know what anyone could do anything um all I ask is that if you're gonna cheat on me one don't let me find out and that's very hard because I'm hyper vigilant and I'm all up in your fucking business and also he doesn't know the passwords to any of his shit and he has to ask me and he has to help me get him to open up his phone once a week like he doesn't know where his phone is I have to help him find it then he's like open the phone up and read so and so to me and blah 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 it's I cannot I just don't think he could do it without me finding out I just don't but okay let's say he does don't let me find out and also bring the hoe over here to do some cleaning and watching these fucking kids every now and again. And maybe we could just integrate her into it. Like, I would love, like, <laughs> I'm a very monogamous person because I'm a jealous person. Nothing's wrong with jealousy. It's a, it's a fucking feeling. And I have it all the time. And so I don't think I could have, like, an open marriage or, like, a plural marriage or, like, a polyamorous marriage or whatever. But if you're saying... We're going to go find some girl or guy to come up into this marriage and like watch these kids and pay some of these fucking bills. 
I might be into it. I'm just saying, I might be into the shit. Like, let, let's talk more about the perks. Is this person gonna cook? Because I don't want to fucking cook anything anymore. I'm tired of cooking. I feel like we eat 45 meals a day. And then we got to clean up the dishes after them. Because of the environment. <laughs> Is someone going to watch Trolls World Tour for the fourth time today with these children? Is someone going to do that? Maybe we should open this bitch up. Open this marriage up. I don't know. Um, I, my husband actually works very hard. He just works. Um, he works at a dairy, at a processing plant for a dairy and I mean just the nature of the business is that you get lots of people working and then in and out and like it's it's a grueling physical job for him even though he is now like pretty high up and he's supposed to be supervising other people the fact is if somebody doesn't come to work or if somebody turns out to be screaming racist epithets in the, in the work in the in the in the um in the employee break room and you have to fire them, like you got to cover. And quite frankly, this is how you know I'm not a good person. Like I'm absolutely against racism, especially racism aimed at me, <laughs> you know? But my husband had to fire somebody and then had to work till 2 a.m. last week to cover them and I would not have fired them. I would have been like, mm-hmm, black lives don't matter just as long as you get your ass on that forklift because I'm not staying here with you. <laughs> yep, yep, mm-hmm. Inward, woo, <laughs> keep working though. <laughs> like I would've been like, we gotta have to come to the plan because <laughs> we gotta have to let him be racist, okay? We gotta have to let him do this shit because I am not staying here. Just, just let him wear his KKK robes, it's fine. <laughs> as long as I leave at 4 p.m. like I thought I was leaving. Just let him burn the cross in the front of the fucking plant and let's, let's just, let's, don't look at it. Don't look at it. That's what, that's what I would have done. That's me. That's me. He, on the other hand, is like, oh, well, he's threatening people and, and <laughs> doing all kinds of shit. So he's got to fucking go and he's got to go right now. I'm like, oh, why you got to be so good? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm on my way home and he's being racist to the people still at work. And I'm just like, well, we could, nothing we can do about it, guys. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, he works very hard. And my, like, I really hope that in terms of like money and stuff, like, um, like it's my secret dream to retire him by the time he's 50 or to at least let him pull back from working as much. Cause it's like hard on his body and stuff, you know? Um, he's always got scars all over him from shit happening. Somebody hit a fucking pallet and a avalanche of fucking milk <laughs> came down and, and, you know, they're in these wooden things. Like it's, he's always hurt. And like, you know, one night he called me, you know, when he used to work nights, he doesn't work nights now. He's worked his schedule out to something that I don't like, but what he, I, what I used to hate is he used to work all night long. And so... He called me, he never calls me in the middle of the night, but he called me and he just had this tone in his voice. And he was telling me that he was inside a trailer to that hauls milk and he was on a forklift and the trailer collapsed and the forklift rolled. Like he, he did a tumble in the forklift and just the way he was breathing his tone. It's like one of those things where you realize you almost died. And like, 
you know, in the moment you've got all this adrenaline and shit to like try to survive and shit. Much like, you know what it's like? You know, it's like when I moved to Texas, um, I had to start dealing with things called water bugs, which are just giant roaches that can fly and swim and do taxes and do whatever the fuck they want. They can steal your identity. If, if, if you see a drive-by, a, a flying roach might have done it. A water bug might have done it. Because they can do whatever the fuck they want. They can, like, hack into your computers. They do everything. But, like, I'm scared of roaches. And I'm certainly scared of giant uh, mutant roaches. And so, so, like, when we moved down here, we lived in an old building in the ghetto. And so these old buildings, the roach, the water bugs get in and out of them very easily because of just the way they're built. They got lots of entry and extra points. And they, like, come through the pipes and shit like that. And I just remember one morning I went into the bathroom and there was a, one of those water bugs, mute, teenage mutant ninja roaches. And I mean, they come through the pipes, they're the source. And so they eat pizza, they, they, they do karate. And so, so I went to fight or flight mode, right? The adrenaline of this fight or flight mode is just like, you've gotta do something, your life is on the fucking line. And I fought that roach. Like, I don't know how to explain it to you. I was screaming, I was kicking, I was grunting. I was like, get out of here. I was, I was like thumping, like it was, it was a commotion in there because I was fighting a roach. And my husband comes in there, he runs in there. He's like, are you okay, are you okay? What's going on? And I was like, I was like, there was this roach in here. <laughs> and he was like, I thought someone had broken the house, princess, and and was attacking you. And I was like, it is true. Someone did break in the house and someone did attack me. It was a roach. But <laughs> and after the roach was dead and gone, um, I started crying. <laughs> But I had all this adrenaline at the time where I was just like, I gotta survive this. And then afterwards, it, it like hit me that like, I almost died. And that's exactly the same tone he was, he wasn't crying, but he was on the phone like, talking to me and I could tell that he was like, in all seriousness, you know, my roach story isn't that serious, although true. But um, he just, I could just tell that he like, was like, oh, I, almost died and like so like I would love to retire him by the time he's 50 or at least be able to um pivot him into something else that's like less strenuous or like part-time or something like that in terms but you know it's something I gotta work on in terms of money and stuff like that I don't know why I'm telling you guys that it's just one of the dreams for my husband for I have for my husband I really worry about him um, but yeah, so this, the reason I'm doing this podcast this late is because I, I just had a long week. He had to work a lot. And so that meant that I had less help on hand and like last night. So normally what I do is on Fridays, I normally I watch the show on Thursdays. So I record sometime on Fridays and last night I couldn't do it. I, there's nothing I could fucking do. I had to like after Bear Bear's birthday thing and after, um, which he was thrilled with and like, Somebody came to power wash our fence and I had to supervise that and and then they blocked me in. So Bear Bear wanted Chinese food for dinner and I couldn't go get it. Uh, I live in a country ass suburb of Austin and so I don't live close enough for, for this particular, the Chinese food place we like to go to to deliver. So I had to drive, I had to wait for that. It was just a lot. And then by the time the kids went down at 8.30 last night, I was wiped. 
wiped. Also, my husband was supposed to be home, like I said, at 8. At eight he's supposed to get off at 8 last night and be home by 8.30. And he called me at like 5 and was like, I will not leave here until 4 a.m. And he's right. I looked at the... Uh, I looked at, you know, the alarm setting, the, what time he turned it off, it was for 4.36. So I just, that's why I'm a little late doing this, but that's okay. Um, I do have some like good news and that if you are a Patreon member, you've already heard this, but every month I take some of the Patreon dollars you guys give me and I donate to a cause that I believe in. Um, as you know, I do a lot of talking about the things that I care about, but I want to I want to make sure that I give money to people who do the things I care about, who are actually, are actually working. Last uh, month we gave to, um, I forget the name of it, but we gave to an organization that is helping to um, fight essentially voter disenfranchisement and, in Georgia. And... Um, because you know that Georgia Senate race is incredibly important in January. It's becoming more and more obvious every day how important that race is going to be. Uh, and this month, I had a friend that completed suicide. Um, if 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 you follow me on social media, I posted about it and then I deleted it. And I rarely do that, but I did that because it is. I was really feeling fucked up about it, and that's all the post said was that I was feeling fucked up about it, but. At the time, I realized, like, sometimes I, my, I forget my social media isn't just me and four people, you know? And I was just thinking, like, people are already starting to, like, reach out to me about it. And I was like, I can't handle this today. So then also, why did you post that, princess? You know, like, you need to, if you're not ready to talk about something, you shouldn't be telling people about it. It's not just like a, you know, a broadcast. It's, it's also you're inviting conversation. So I deleted it, but... At the time, I just didn't want to get like a bunch of DMs, which I'm not really reading, or emails or texts for people who have my number about it that day. So I just didn't want to, that, that's why I deleted it. But, you know, it's very, the, I'm, I've talked openly about my depression, how my seasonal depression and my pandemic depression all decided to like meet up and have a baby called super duper depression. And so like, I've talked about it and I know I'm not the only one dealing with it, um, my friend was dealing with it and I don't know the holidays are a hard time for everybody as well as we're all like in the middle of a global pandemic and I just wanted to give money to an organization that is helping with people who are just in a bad place so we donate some money to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention you can learn more about it at afsp.org and if you have a couple of bucks throw it their way if you can um, and if you guys are a Patreon member, put, thank you. Thank you. Because, because of you support this podcast and you support me, you give me the ability to give back. And I really, really, really fucking appreciate that. Um, and if you're not a Patreon member, that's okay too. If you want to be one, you can go to patreon.com backslash buy pumpkin. If you, I mean, guys, the pandemic has fucked everybody's finances. I don't know very many people who are doing better besides uh, Bill Gates, Elon Musk, and Jeff Bezos. Um, I think everybody else is like trying to get through. And so I I appreciate the support. 
I understand if it, if um, monetarily supporting this podcast is not possible right now, or like I get it. You can also leave me a five star review. That would be great. That help that helps support. You can also follow me at um, Okay Then Princess on Instagram and Twitter, and you can follow me at Buy Pumpkin Podcast on Instagram. Those things are also very supportive, and like I appreciate all of you, every single fucking one of you. Know that. So this this episode, we're gonna talk about the very last um, uh, episode of season one of the Real L Word. Um, it's episode nine. It's called Dinah or Bust. Um, so just to get it off the bat, I I have had more than a few people reach out to me about continuing this uh, this series to to keep doing the real l word i would love to do that i love the real l word it is i i love the fact that right now i am talking more i'm talking about women behaving badly the relationship between women i'm i'm loving that uh as i've mentioned before um the um the girls next door as much as i enjoyed doing that season of by pumpkin I was waiting in dark, deep, muddy waters, you know, shitty waters, infested waters. Um, and with this, it just seems like I'm dealing with relationships and, and questions of identity and family. And like, these are all really interesting things to me. And so I'm, and I love this show. So I would love to continue, but I would have to continue on Patreon. And as much as I'm feeling so much better these days, because um, as I've explained before, I have seasonal depression in the last three f- months of the year, really bad for me. And it's colliding with pandemic depression. But I always feel better at the beginning of January, always, because I'm like big into renewals. And it's why I love Mondays. I love Mondays. Any fucking thing can happen throughout the week. Nothing's happening yet. It's Monday. Like, we got a blank fucking slate i love mondays i love beginning of years i love the first of them i love those things because i'm big about new beginnings and so as we slide out of jan out of december and we hit new year's eve which i'm not a big fan of but january 2nd i love so i know that i'm 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 feeling better but i don't know about the wisdom of committing to three podcast episodes a week because i do a weekly podcast episode on um the patreon if you're a five dollar member Right now I am doing, I just forgot. Oh, I'm doing Couples Therapy Season 4, which is actually very good. I'm not talking about my show is good. I'm talking about watching the show again is good. It has Whitney and Sada on there. It has John Gosling. It has Taylor from Beverly Hills. I'm going to sit 90210. The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. It has Ghostface Killer on there. Dennis. And it also has um, Farah. Farah came by herself. So, like, I'm already doing that, and I'll be doing that for at least the next 10 weeks. And each season of The Real L Word has nine episodes. So to commit to 18 more weeks of three episodes a week, 18 weeks is four months. <laughs> That's a lot, but I might come back to it. Let's just say that. And if you guys really do want me to try to do that, reach out, send me a Patreon message, tweet me at OkayThenPrincess, comment on the podcast um, post at okay at Buy Pumpkin Podcast on Instagram. Do those things so at least I know, like, because I don't know what the market is for it. 
Um, I don't know if this is some, because let's just keep it real. None of you care about what I'm doing here. <laughs> you guys don't care. I mean, you you liked the girls next door. You liked the real L word. You wanted to talk about Breaking Bonaducci and the Gotti Boys and, and Flavor of Love, sure. But the reason people listen to this is because I am here. That's it. You, These are not novel things I'm doing. These are not amazing can't miss podcast episodes. You're here to support me and I know that. So I know there's a large group of you that's just like, whatever, whatever's next. Um, and I kind of know what's next, but I don't know. I'm Just give me a second here. The next two, um, the next two podcast episodes are going to be in Ask Me Anything, which is next week. By the time this uh, episode that you're listening to is out, there will be a post at Buy Pumpkin where you can ask questions in the comments. Um, if you want to be anonymous, you can also, like, you don't want people to know. I mean, you're, I'm going to know, but you don't want people to know about it. You can send me um, questions through uh, the Patreon app. The message is there. Or maybe I'll open my DMs for that. We'll have to talk about it. But there'll be some place where you can ask me questions for the Ask Me Anything. It's been a while since I've done one. So you guys probably do have some questions. Um, and then after that, I'm going to do a Princess Fix My Life, which is just me and giving advice to people who didn't ask for it. And then we're going to start the new season. Is it season six? Season six? Yeah, season six of Buy Pumpkin. And I, like I said, I have some ideas. I kind of know where I'm going. But I've been known to change my mind. So let me just like, let me just get through that part and then I'll announce what it is. Um, I think that's all the show business here for now. Uh, let's get moving on the actual show. So let's start with the, you know, the question they ask everybody. They ask everybody about going to Dinosaur Weekend. Now, what is Dinosaur Weekend? Dinosaur Weekend is a golf weekend in Palm Springs that, I don't think Dinosaur is a lesbian either, <laughs> that lesbians have co-opted into like a spring break type weekend, okay? Um, people golfing at, at going to Dinosaur and golfing is one thing. I, as I understand it, so basically it's a, like a music festival and a kind of a weekend kind of place, Palm Springs, about five days, um, it's really put on by one club. It's called Skirts, I think it is. And it coincides with a golf week, a golf tournament that happens there too. Donna Shore was a singer, television personality, and really enjoyed golf. I'm pretty sure she wasn't a lesbian. I've never been to Donna Shore Weekend. Like I said, when I started this series, I am not a lesbian. I am not a resident of LA. So a lot of the stuff that like these girls do or these women do, excuse me, or women, um, I don't necessarily, like I don't have a lot of experience in. And also to be honest, I would never go to something like Donna. I would never. I've, oh God, I'm about to start admitting some shit. I've never been to a concert ever. There has been no concert in the history of the world that has been enticing enough for me not to be stressed out about how to get out of the parking lot afterwards. I've like a spring break type weekend, a going down to Fort Lauderdale, a freak Nick, none of that shit <laughs> appeals to me. It's too many fucking people. 
And it's just like, I just feel like if you've been listening to this long enough, you can understand what my personality is an old lady knitting sweaters and reading cozy mysteries inside an air conditioned space, right? Eating something bad for me, watching something like Murphy Brown or the Bob Newhart show or maybe Frasier in the background. That's my that that's my vibe right there. Okay? If this was a book in where I would just show up with my own book and just read it quietly and not talk to anybody, beautiful. I where where do I sign up? Where are the tickets? <laughs> I would love to do something like that. But this whole scene is not my scene. So Forgive me for not knowing very much about Dinah. And forgive me for never have gone. Because it's not, uh, not something I would be doing. <laughs> when I used to work, so I, <laughs> I've had so many lives. But I used to be a tech writer. And I used to write about business tech. I used to have to go to South by Southwest here in Austin. And I didn't even want to go to that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Even that, it was too many fucking people. It was too many fucking people. And not, like, it was South by South, it was uh, South by Southwest Interactive. That's the one I, that's the, because that's actually three festivals in one. That's the one I'd have to go to. And I would be like, no. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> I was slated to go to uh, fucking AWP. You guys know, that it's a writing thing. I was slated to go in, to AWP in San Antonio right when the pandemic hit. And I was so happy the pandemic hit. I mean, obviously I'm not now. Obviously I don't want people to die. But, except for one person. But, um, but I was slated to go to that. And I was so happy I didn't have to go to that. Book festivals, I, I sometimes have to go to. I've moderated a few. Um at a few of them and I'll be like, oh my God, I cannot, like what happens is this. Every time I agree to do something, I go, you don't wanna do this, but you know you're gonna have a good time once you do it. So go ahead and agree to do it. So I agree to do it. And then as the time goes through, I go, oh my God, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't wanna talk to people. It's too many people gonna be around, especially if it's talking in front of people. I know I talk a lot. Talking in front of people is a whole different thing, especially like if I have to do a reading or something like that. It's stressful. I, I I get very stressed. And then like the night before, I'm like, you need to come down with something. Somebody's got to be sick. You got to be sick. Somebody got to die. Like some, you have to have a reason why you are not going to this. And then usually I can't, especially if they know me, because they'll be like, princess, nobody's sick. You're a liar. Bring your ass. And I'll be like, oh my God, I have to come. So I go like driving to the place. I'll be freaking out. I'll be like, I do not want to go. I just want to go home and watch Empty Nest. Please leave me alone. Why do people keep inviting me? And then I'll get there and I'll just be like, talking to myself in a fucking car going, you can do this, you can do this. You're going to go home soon. It's going to be fine. If things get rough, just like go back to the car, sit in the car for a few minutes, just like, like fucking breathing, practicing my breathing like I'm going to have a fucking baby. And then I get out of the car and I put on what my husband calls Showtime Princess, which is the person that goes out and meets people. And I have a good time. <laughs> I do fine. Everything's great. I'm really scared and everything's fun. But 
Like, I do it anyway, and I do the talk, or I go to the thing, or I, or I, somebody gives me a microphone of some sort, and I'm like, ah! But I do the thing, and I'm like, wow, I had a good time. <laughs> that was great. What? Whew, can't wait to do it next year. <laughs> That's how I do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the idea of, like, going to a place like Dinah... Where everyone's in a bathing suit and I can barely fucking swim. Hashtag racism. And, <laughs> and like, I don't know. I, I, and you're like, like one of the people on the show is like, well, you get to meet people. I'm like, meet people? I don't want to meet people. I mean, I can meet people, but like my preference is not to meet people. <laughs> And I mean, I know all this sounds like really crazy to someone who has a podcast where they talk all the time, but I'm at home talking all the time. And also if you're a person who like, if you're a person who knows me in real life, you know that I do well, like meeting people. I'm good at introducing myself. I make friends everywhere I fucking go, but I just want you to know I may make it look easy, but it's very hard. And I'm going through a lot of inner turmoil when I'm doing it because I'm stressed out the whole fucking time. And that's, I mean, that's who I am as a person. My, my husband calls it Showtime Princess because he met me when I was a bartender, which was an exhausting job for me at the time because waiting tables, you wait, you go to the table, you wait the table. And then you leave. You don't stand at the table, like, talking all in her face and shit. But as a bartender, I'm talking to you the whole time you're here. Or I'm interacting with you if you want me to the whole time you're here. And I did fine. And I had a lot of regulars. People loved me. They'd be calling to ask if I could, if I was working that night. By the way, I had to have, like, many talks with the hostess being like, you cannot tell. If somebody calls up here and goes, is Princess here? That might be somebody trying to kill me. Do <laughs> And she was like, why would someone be trying to kill me? I was like, girl, you don't know my life. <laughs> you don't know. That could be anybody. It could literally be anybody. It could be a library I'm in a fight with calling to fucking kill me. Okay? Do not tell people what my schedule is. <laughs> but I did very, and I tip. I, I made a lot of fucking money doing it. Um, but that used to take a lot out of me. At the end of my shift, I didn't want to talk to anybody. Like, just having to smile at people and like, and like, be interested in whatever the fuck they were saying. Like, and I'm like, you guys are having such a good time. This is actually my life. Like, and then having someone throw up on the bar and then like, I didn't overserve them. They were, they, I guess they'd had, I guess they'd had drinks before they got there. But, and then like, I mean, I have to clean that up. And then like two days later, I have to like interact with them again. Like in real life, I, you're dead to me. <laughs> but, because I'm like, my money is determined by how good of a relationship I have with these, uh, with these um, customers. Like, I have to like put on a face. And I did get very good at the end by being like a mean bartender, being someone who's like really mean to people and they enjoy it. And like, I used to have a customer whose shoes I would take because he wasn't a good tipper. So I would take, every time he would come in, I would take his shoes and I would hide them behind the bar and I would not give them back to give me enough money when he left. That was the thing. Um, I was like a known person that would like come at you and ask you for a tip. <laughs> which is rude, like against my home training, but still I'd be like, like if you came in a couple days previously and you didn't tip 
I would be like, oh, I know. <laughs> I remember you. You did not leave me any money. And they'd be like, uh, and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I remember. And, <laughs> or I'd ask to be pre-tipped. <laughs> so if I didn't like you very much or if last time you didn't tip me, I'd be like, well, you need to give me money now. And if you give me the money now, I will give you good service. And if you don't, then, I mean, I do have to serve you, but I mean, I don't know what's going to be in this drink. Like that, I had that personality towards the end. <laughs> and that suited me better, but it's still like just having it, like, you know, I talk about this with sex workers all the time. Like, I don't think people realize how much fucking customer service is in sex work, whatever kind of sex work that you have. Um, and whether it's actual sex with a per with a customer or whether it's something like stripping or I mean literally you could be showing your you could be taking pictures of your toes on the internet um and and having an OnlyFans or something like that there's a lot in this customer service work because you have to create a fantasy for these people because they're coming to you for a reason you know and so, like, you don't get to have a fucking bad day in sex work. And same thing with waiting tables. You don't get to have a bad day. You don't get to just be, like, come to the table and start crying because your electricity about to kick it off and you know you're only going to make $80 this shift and that's not going to cover it. Like, you don't get to because what you're selling them is an experience. And imagine being an escort who has to, um, who has to, who's, like, you know, maybe she's in my position where she's, like, having dueling depressions and shit's going on in our life and, and things like, and someone calls you for a call and you can't just show up and be like, oh, everything is bad in my life. I'm having such a bad time. They don't want to fucking hear that. They didn't pay you 300 or whatever it is that they pay you. I don't know the cost. I mean, I, I'm assuring it. I'm assuming it varies incredibly greatly from what you're doing and um, who you're like, it, it, there are so many levels, but imagine like, you can't just walk in there and be like, I'm having the worst day. I'm actually super depressed. I do not want to fuck right now. I don't want to be your fantasy or whatever it is that you're like, that you're expecting of me. I don't want to be that right now, but I have to come up in here and just be like, oh, hey. Like, <laughs> and that's why I know I, I'd be a terrible fucking sex worker. I'd be terrible at like a uh, financial dominatrix because I'd just be like, what is your budget? Because you've given me, I did a, a bonus episode on being a financial dominatrix on the Patreon during my True Life series, if you want to hear that. But I can totally see myself being like, I cannot believe you're spending this much money. You're very close to retirement age. Have you thought about that? Like, I don't know that I could do those things. Why the fuck am I talking about all this? <laughs> I I know, I know. <laughs> Guys, I take notes. I really do. I take notes and then I just start talking just about whatever the fuck I want to. Um, <laughs> What the fuck am I? Oh, okay. I'm talking about how like a space, like a festival, music festival, lesbian spring break weekend. It's five days actually. So, I mean, it could be, and it doesn't have to be a weekend, but um, all that is like not in, it, it's just not in my personality type. It's not a place you would find me. It's unless I was like working it. <laughs> unless I was like, getting towels <laughs> like that's that's where you find me other than that doesn't say it's not my scene sorry but um they start off by asking the girls about Dinah Jill says a new word in her vocabulary um obviously Nikki and Jill have never been um and Jill says it's not really about um gayness but 
the thing we should know about Nikki and Jill is that although they're a gay couple, they don't spend very much time with other gay people, um, other lesbians. You, it's throughout this this whole season, it's been clear that Nikki and Jill spend most of their time with um, people in their field, their producers and writers and things like that. And so they spend more time with like people in their industry and not necessarily other lesbians. Unlike Whitney, who pretty much every person you see her with is a lesbian. So, I mean, it just, I'm not judging them for that, but I like, Dinah isn't a place they would go to either. Um, Rose says she loves it so much. She's been going for years and years. So many years she doesn't know. And there's probably a bronze statue of her somewhere there. That that tracks. Tracy says it's spring breaks for lesbian and it's a hot mess. Um, N- Nikki did say it's girls gone wild for gay girls. Mikey loves it too. She says so, but I don't know. And Whitney says it's a free for all and all the clothes come off. Okay. So let's start with the borings of the borings. It's Nikki and Jill. And so they have a friend named Kathleen, not Kathleen, Kathleen, that's coming in. And, and you know, Nikki's acting, acting squirrely. Jill's, like, noticing it and, you know, pushing to be on time and stuff. And they actually go in the airport, which is not a thing most people do. Um, well, some people do. But, like, me, I'm not parking to get you from the airport. I mean, as a rule, I don't really pick a lot of people up from the airport, but here in Austin, they have cell phone lots. I'm sure they have it everywhere where you park your car and then when the person gets out of baggage, they can call you and you can drive them to pick them up. Um, my sister-in-law calls me once. She's hardly ever been on a plane. Like, I think it might have been her first plane ride, to be honest. And she called me as soon as the... the the airplane touched down. I was like, oh, are you ready? She's like, yeah, I'm ready. And it's because it was her first time being on a plane. She thought that I was going to drive up to the tarmac to pick her up. I was like, bitch, you have a whole 30 minutes left to go. You can't even get out right now. And then also, you have to wind your way through the fucking airport and uh, and get your fucking bags. And then... <laughs> but anyway, like... Jill notices this too because they're like, we're inside. And Nikki's like, would you leave your own mother to to navigate the airport by herself? Would you? Would you? And Jill's like, well, no. And Nikki's like, okay then. And at this point that I'm like, oh yeah, I remember. And, you know, Nikki has colluded. <laughs> has colluded with Jill's mother to have her come in and do some... some wedding stuff and because remember jill is a little sad her mother's not there nikki's mother's there for everything because she lives in the area but jill's mother's back on the east coast and as her mother's coming down the escalator like everyone's waiting for jill to realize that it's her mother <laughs> and jill's just like ah, da, 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 where's kathleen <laughs> and <laughs> They got me, guys. I was very happy. And this one, just face, just how she went. <gasps> and just ran over there and grabbed her mom. You know what? I miss my mom. I miss my mom. I know I'm not going to miss her as soon as I see her. Like I said, as soon as we get, I get from the airport, I'm going to be like, oh, my God, this bitch. But 
I was actually talking to the phone with my dad the other day. And I was like, you know, just checking on him. He's had some health issues. And I was like, okay, well, tell mama to be uh, nice to you. And I guess she was in the room and could hear me. Actually, the real reason I called him is because, so my brother's ill and I'm texting with him. And I'm just texting. And then suddenly there's a message that says, you are speaking to your father. And it's because my brother and my father have the same name. And I, I do this frequently. But I mean, I'm not scared of my fucking parents. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I'm not fucking scared of them. And so like, whatever I would be saying to my brother, I could easily say to my father, it's not a big deal. I mean, unless I was talking shit about him. <laughs> but why would I be talking? He's wonderful. Why would I talk shit about him? So, so I was like, oh. And then he texts me. He goes, um, he's he was having problem with his tablet. Like he he forgotten like the the password pattern. So I was calling him about it and just checking in on him and he'd already figured it out and like we, we just start chit-chatting about it. And then at the end I said, tell mama to be nice to you. And like she was in the room, I guess she could hear me. And all I heard was, what are you talking about? girl here you are screaming all the way from over there and you wonder why people have to tell you to be nice but <laughs> the thing is i miss her so much right now even though i know she'd get on my fucking nerves when i see her um you know jill's so happy though and so that was nice i mean i'd be pissed if someone did this to me as we know i'm not someone who enjoys surprises i certainly would not like to be surprised by a visit from my mother. And in fact, if someone tried to surprise me with a visit from my mother, I believe my mother, who does not like surprises either, would text me and tell me. And would tell me so I wouldn't make a scene in the airport. I think she would say, <laughs> I think she would just like kind of let me know like the night before and didn't tell me not to tell the person that's trying to do the surprise. I believe that's what would probably happen. And that's what I want to happen. But Jill's face when she's in really so good, I smiled. Um, Nikki's crying. And again, like, you know, since her mom's there, they want to look for dresses. Because remember that first dress that Nikki like found her dress and was like, oh my God, are you crazy? I'm buying this. And Jill puts hers on hold. Jill doesn't end up buying that one. I'm a little confused about the timeline too. I, do we not see their wedding? I feel like I saw their wedding. Like, did I hallucinate that? Um, but this is the last episode and we don't see their wedding. And, you know, and also they're talk at the beginning, Jill's like, we have some errands to do for the week of the wedding. I'm like, it's the week of the wedding. You're getting a wedding dress. I may have misheard. So don't hold me to that. But so she goes to look at wedding. I mean, the week you have to get them tailored. I don't know. So. She goes out there and she's looking for a dress and like, you know, there's a lot of crying and stuff. And the fact is, is that like Jill has been had a hard time making decisions because her mom hasn't been there. Her mom's like a very good friend to her. She's the only daughter. She feels like her mom's missing out on all these events that are happening because she's not living in the same space. Um, you know, there's crying, there's kissing and... Jill finds her dress. So they take both their moms on the tour of the house they're going to have the wedding at. Um, that beautiful house. They want them to love it. Obviously, they're going to love it. It's a gorgeous fucking house. Um, it's expensive, but it's gorgeous. I I can't, like, I don't know what type of person would go to that house and go, 
mm, not good enough. And maybe because they're, they, maybe if their wedding party was too big, I don't know, but like, not wedding party, but uh, the guest list was too big, but I don't know, but that's a beautiful spot. It's on the beach and shit. They're gonna be taking pictures on the beach. It's a beautiful place to get married. Um, They have a heart to heart on the beach near that house and Jill's hair is out of her face for the first time ever. I'm sure Carol was very happy. And I was like, oh, look at your face. I can see your face. <laughs> I don't know. There's not a lot to say about them during this. I mean, it's all stuff that happens. Like they just were talking about it. Like getting married and about like how important this is and how much she, how happy she is that her mother's there. So Nikki and Jill get up early, take their mom back to the airport, and Jill is sad about it. Jill says she can move forward in the planning process because she finally got her mom out there to help. And she feels grounded by that. And also she loves Nikki for making it happen. And that's it. That's all that happens with them in this last episode. So let's talk about Mikey, who... <laughs> you know, normally I do not read text messages on the air. Okay? I don't do it. Sometimes I text on the air like an idiot. But I want to read you... Kara's text, what she said to about Mikey. She said she's in over her head professionally, so her go-to is performative, angry, screaming lady or absolute flop. I That is perfect. That is absolutely what the fuck Mikey is. She, Kara later goes on to describe herself as like a Michael Scott level of flop and she's right. Like, there's a lot of stuff that happens. When you think about this season, there's a lot of stuff that happens this season that we're like, that we're like, um, Mikey, like, when, remember when she, when, when her own intern sent out a bunch of shit that got people coming to the, to the go see or to the, to the model tryouts? And Mikey gets on the phone and like tries to ream them out, and it turns out it's her fault, and then tells them never to call here again. And she called them. Like, Remember when she went to New York and she had that showcase for her clients and nobody came? So she got drunk and just didn't even show up the second day? She started drinking mimosas at 9 a.m. Remember that? Remember when she tried to get married in Vegas and the plane didn't? That's Michael Scott. Michael Scott loves to try to get married. <laughs> loves to try to get married. Um, even even it find the the show finally going being done and her perform and her proposing to um, God, I forgot this woman's name. Raquel, um, proposing proposing to Raquel. That's a Michael Scott thing. By the way, guys, let's just take a little side and talk about Michael Scott. I have rewatched The Office so much, and part of it is that when I started freelancing, <laughs> I missed Office shit, <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, I'll just listen to the off. I'll watch The Office in the background while I was working. I have watched every episode a million times with the exception of the two episodes dealing with uh, Pam and Jim's wedding because I do not care about Pam and Jim. They will be a nightmare to work around. And I hate that their wedding was a two-parter. I hate it. And the other episode I cannot watch is the one where Michael Scott uh, has promised a group of underserved children underserved industry children i'm assuming in in philly i don't i don't know i don't know someplace that he will pay for their college education when they are like 
in the third or second grade, something like that. Excuse me if I don't have the details right. I refuse to ever watch this episode again. But here's the thing, Michael Scott, he thought he was going to have a lot of money. He doesn't have any money. So now they've invited him back to talk to all the classmates who have gone, who've all this time are now ready to go to college, I guess, or about to go to college, um, or maybe a couple years from college or something. And he has to go back and tell them that he doesn't have any money. And most of the time, like, Michael Scott is, um, is stupid naive, ignorant, all, and, and it can be funny how dumb he is, but this is the only time he's ever been cruel. And I cannot watch that episode. I feel like he ruined a lot of people's lives. I think at the end he offers to buy some books for somebody. And also if I were that level of like a bad person and I had promised a bunch of people I was gonna pay for their college educations, which is a huge amount of money, not even I was gonna pay for books, which is still a huge amount of money, but like, you know, I would have got off paying like $2,500 or $3,000, something that I could like conceivably get, you know what I mean? Like I, maybe I'll hurt myself, but I could get three or $4,000 to pay people's book for people's books in college. But to, to promise to pay at, at least, I think he said their whole college. So let's say 50 grand a person. And that's on the cheap side, right? That's like, that's like 10, uh, fuck, I can't do math. It's like 12 grand a year, okay? That's on the, the lower the lower side of what college costs for someone. But let's say he agree, he said the whole fucking college. Let's say it's 50 grand a year. And I'm a, I, again, I don't watch this episode. So what's it, 10 kids? Sir, <laughs> you thought, you just glibly offered, like, what, what, where's the administration that you invited this unknown man into your school to promise half a million dollars to this group of this classroom of kids? And were there any paperwork signed or anything? I hate that episode. And I cannot believe, but if I had done something as stupid as promise something like that and let them believe that for so long, do you ever think I will return to that school for any reason whatsoever? No, they would have to get me in court. There's no way I would voluntarily get dressed and drive myself back to that school to be like, turns out I'm stupid. I don't have any money. <laughs> Funny, right? Like there's no, no way in hell that you could get me to come back none none you would have to hire a bounty hunter to come get me there's no way i would stand on that podium and be like it turns out i thought i would have half a million dollars to send you all to college and i'm lying i'm a middle manager of a failing paper company <sighs> oh my god Oof, I gotta stop talking. I get, I'm red right now. I'm a black person. I'm red right now. Just thinking about the fact that someone did this. That someone, that a group of children were, parents were counting on this man, Michael Scott, to pay for their kid's college. Now, again, I might have the details wrong. Um, The kid, like when I'm in my mind's eye, I'm thinking of the kid that he offers to pay the books for 
he doesn't look old enough to be going to college. So maybe it's like a couple of years he comes back and fun. I don't know. I don't know. Whew, worst fucking episode ever. Anyway, <laughs> talking about Mikey. Um, so now that Kara has like so succinctly put it, that's <laughs> either performative yelling or just flop. <laughs> Like, yeah, that is Mikey. Kara's so good. Um, so Mikey and Raquel are packing for Dinah. And Raquel has never been before. It's Raquel's birthday, too. Um, they're talking about the present. And Mikey's like, hold out her arm. And it's like, to Raquel, it's like, undo this ribbon. She's got a ribbon on her wrist. On her wrist. And when they takes the ribbon off, it's a tattoo of Raquel's name on Mikey's wrist. And now, by the way, Raquel loves this. She's like, she proposed and she got her name tattooed on me. Wow. Raquel, you need to want more. That is not a gift. <laughs> that is not a birthday gift, girl. <laughs> that is an addition to one of Mikey's terrible tattoos. Now, we've all got terrible tattoos, okay? All of us do. But that's for Mikey. That's not a gift for you. Also, never tattoo people's names on you. Not even your mama's. You don't know how where that relationship is going. You don't know. Don't do it. <laughs> so... So Raquel says, you know, Raquel loves it. And Mikey and Raquel don't really go to Dinah very much, that type of stuff. They show up at night and they're only going for one day. Mikey says it's a good opportunity to kick back and relax and make fun of all the bad hair and bad clothes and mismatched relationships. You guys know how sometimes someone's talking about somebody and they're really talking about themselves? Like, <laughs> like okay, Mikey, sure. Raquel says she sees a lot of board shorts, but she wants to see more lesbians. Also, she was told there would be a lot of hot women. And Mikey's like, you only need to be worried about this one woman. You're a woman. The next day, Mikey takes Raquel to the pool party. And Raquel is excited and so impressed with all the dancing, kissing. You know, just like, I mean, it really does like a spring. Like, that's what spring break looks like to me. Is that not what spring break is? People just around, crowded around pools and bathing suits, making out and taking off their tops. Is that not what it is? Maybe she's impressed because it's all women, which is nice. I mean, they, they just don't have a lot of, like, I mean, I'm about to say they just don't have a lot of, like, events like this. But the fact is they probably have plenty of events like this. We just don't know about them. Like, they're not, like, national news headlines and things like that. Um, but they're more, like, regional things. Like, Dinah. Like, before this, I didn't know what Dinah was. So, mm. um, before before I started watching the show back when it came on, I didn't know what Dinah was. So Mikey and Raquel are ready to go out, getting ready. And she, Mikey says getting ready for her is like 15 minutes, but Raquel takes a long time and she's like trying to get into a course and needs Mikey's help. And this is, uh, this is a scene I've always seen in my head of Mikey trying to like, like tighten this corset and Ra and like shaking Raquel as she does it, and Raquel putting on lipstick at the same time. <laughs> she's dressed like a pussycat doll <laughs> and not like, the pussycat dolls. I mean by like a literal pussycat doll. You know the Vegas review put on by Robin Anton. It's so, like just like fishnet stockings and like a little, some little panties and a corset and big hair. That's what she's wearing. But um, I guess they don't make it out because Mikey like is so super into how hot Raquel looks. And they end up fucking. I don't know if they never leave and end up fucking or if they just, if you know, if they're getting ready and they're like, just fuck it, let's just fuck. Or if they go out and come back and um, get it popping. I don't know. 
It, I mean, honestly, it did look hot. It looked like hot sex, but I find Mikey supremely unfuckable. So it didn't flood my basement. I mean, it was fine. But these scenes, like I said, add to the lore of this series in that um, the real L word was showing sex scenes. Um, they were showing women, relationships with women, um, as I mentioned on the Patreon episode this week, when Sada and Whitney get married at the very end of the series, spoiler alert, I mean, this came on a long time ago, guys. Chill. But <laughs> that was the first nationally televised lesbian wedding. Like, this is all new. And so having these sex scenes in there is actually, like, pretty fucking rad, you know? Um, regardless of whether we're actually watching them, like, like I think when... Whitney has sex with Romy. It is the most sexual content on the screen. In season two, I believe it is, Romy and her new robot girlfriend, I forget her name, she's like 10 years old, and she's very tall and looks like Ichabod Crane as a robot. Um, it's true, I'm sorry. And so she's like wearing a top hat. I, that's how I think of her. She's also has an alcohol addiction. Um, maybe I should do season two. <laughs> but, um, maybe. I'll think about it. Um, but she... She's having, like, intense sex things with her own camera. Um, and in season three, when Romy is dating a man, everyone hates her because they think she's a fake lesbian. Um, which, you know let's talk nuance, you know, like in terms of, in terms of like whether someone's a fake lesbian or bisexual, like it, there really was no room. It was black or white for them. Um, there's a lot of sex scenes with him. So, I mean, the truth is, well, like it, and I think they're the most graphic of the sex scenes. Okay. This one with Mikey and Raquel isn't that bad. Um, and bad. I don't, I hope you know what I mean by that. I mean that like, it's just not a whole lot of like nudity and it's not like very explicit. It's just, I mean, it's, it was no more explicit than watching, I guess, the first Fifty Shades of Grey movie. Isn't Fifty Shades of Grey where somebody pulls a tampon out of somebody? I don't know. I've never watched it. Um, so let's talk about Rose. Rose is at her finance bro job and Natalie is there working with her as her assistant. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that, so when we think about how Nat Rose hired Natalie as her assistant, here's probably what's going on. With a lot of real estate, you are um, working out of an office, but you have to pay the office, right? So you have to pay them like almost like a booth fee, but that's not what it's called. It's called something else. And for that money, you get to use them as your company. You get to use some of their um, their resources, maybe like uh, leads and things like that. Uh, you get business cards, say you're with this particular real estate company and you just work there. And like, it doesn't matter if you don't sell one fucking thing because they don't care because your monthly is due there anyway. Uh, again, it's like having, ha having booth rental at a salon. I don't care if you never do a... I don't care if you never cut a head or, 
or wash ahead in this fucking place. But when you do, but as long as you pay your rent on the first, this place is solvent. Okay. Um, and so I would not be surprised if Rose work in real estate is somewhat like that and that she has an office, but she's really, the office space is hers and she does what she needs to that day. And so having Natalie come in and work as an assistant is not a big deal. You don't have to get hired through anybody. Rose pays you. You don't, they don't, this is, Rose pays for this office um, in this brokerage or wherever firm, whatever. And whoever comes in to help her helps her. That's all it is to it. That's my understanding of what's probably happening. It's a, it's a guess, but that's what I'm, I'm guessing is happening. So they're, I mean, they're obviously not suited for this. Uh, Rose is on the phone a lot. She's trying to tell Natalie how to do stuff. Natalie's having a, Natalie's not an administrative assistant. Natalie's not even an office worker. Natalie's not, Natalie's a hairdresser and she spent all her time doing hairdressing stuff and she works in the creative field. I'm not saying she doesn't do paperwork. I'm not saying she can't read or type. I'm saying that Natalie has not honed a skill of understanding what the person she works for wants and assisting them in that way. And to, and getting to know them to a point where you almost can do what they want before they even know. Right. Um, there that's a skill set. Being an admin in an office is a skill set. Um, it's not just like I know you saw so come in here and help these. So and that's why Rose is getting frustrated because she's tr- like she's trying to help Natalie understand like what's going on. And Natalie's having a hard time. Not to Natalie's stupid or anything, but like also Rose not great at explaining. <laughs> Rose terrible at explaining. And then she's getting frustrated and she doesn't have patience. And I'm like, yeah, this was a really bad idea. I know you're going to pay her more, but put a pin in that because later we'll talk about it. Um, that because I got some fucking questions. So Rose and Natalie are going to Dinah. Rose says it's a hookup spot and normally she gets crazy going and it's their first time as a couple. Obviously, they've only been together seven to eight months. They haven't even been together a year, so obviously it's the first time going. But Rose always goes, and Natalie says it's the first time she's going as a couple. The white party is like prom for Rose, and Natalie says it's like lesbians gone wild. So the white party is kind of the kickoff event for them. And Natalie is trying to ask Rose to be patient and not get angry, because they're at dinner now. And Natalie's like, can you just promise on this you'll be patient and not get angry and stuff? And Rose is like, really? Okay, you know, if we're going to make some rules, let's like... Make sure we don't make out with other people. And Ro- Natalie's like, why would we need that rule? We're in a relationship. We're not supposed to make out with other people regardless. And Rose is like, I don't know what you want. Um, they're both on pins and needles because they're sure something's ha- bad is going to happen at Dinah. And they should have listened to their intuition. Honestly, I mean, it's a bad relationship, period. All right, we all know that. But honestly, I feel like this is one of those things that if I did go to with someone I was in a relationship with, like when me and my husband go places, which is not often because we're in a pandemic, but <laughs> before, if we were like to go to a big party and when we first met each other, we used to go to bars and things like that shit all the time. And we would break up. Like he would go kind of do his thing and I would do my thing. And sure we'd meet up and everything throughout the, throughout the uh, night, but 
we didn't try to be right next to each other because it's frustrating. You go to these types of places to meet people and see people and do things. And then also, I mean, you're not at home on your couch cuddling. It's not, it's, it's different. But they go and Natalie says it's, it's risky if your relationship isn't strong. And they don't have, they don't have a strong relationship. So that Rose rents a home and you know, like I said, she's a finance bro. She's like, we rent great homes every year. We always have the best. I'm like, okay, Rose, I've seen your bed sheets. Calm down. And she's, but this year they rented Dinah's actual home. And so it's got five bedrooms, four baths and a big ass pool. And you know, so it's like tons of people there. And like, I don't, like Rose in her talking head when she's talking about it, she's really talking like I'm a baller, but I'm like, yeah. But there are like 16 people there. I know that. You know that. Like, don't fuck with me, man. There, you, you, it's got five bedrooms. So I know you invite at least four of your friends and they either brought a friend or a significant other. So it's at least two people in every single one of those fucking rooms. So sure, you pay for Natalie's piece, but I'm sure that like, once you divide it by all those fucking people, by the 10 people there for two nights, like, I mean, it wasn't free, but don't don't come up in here and act like you got yourself a private island or some shit. Don't do that to me, Rose. Don't do that. Like, don't. <laughs> but I mean, it's still cute. Whatever. It's better they're in a, they're like in a private home instead of like in a hotel, which is still better than like when we get to Whitney stuff. So Rose and Natalie go to a huge white diamonds party so the white diamonds party is at skirts the club that kind of sponsors the thing and rose says the white party start of the weekend usually because i don't think rose goes down for the full five days the festival part and shit i think she really gets there for the weekend um you know rose is just like you know she's just there she's she's in club mode there's a girl with like a paint with like painted on clothes she's got white painted on shirt and Rose is like examining her titties or whatever like she's like oh my god is this paint like Rose yeah it's paint like what what's up what Rose you ever been anywhere <laughs> you ever been anywhere <laughs> this is what my problem like I like I said I am so sexually attracted to Rose but there is something about her that I'm also like you are so dumb and you front so much Rose you you front so much and you don't have to you ain't got to lie Craig you ain't got the fucking lie. All right? <laughs> you just, just, <sighs> So anyway, <laughs> um, you know, she's with her friend. She's like, let's do a whore lap. And like, you know, Natalie says that Rose is acting like she's single and she could have made an issue, but she chose not to. Um, I, I would choose not to either. This is Club Rose. Rose acts like this in the club. And you trying to hang on to Rose at a club is like, I don't know, Leonardo DiCaprio trying to hang on to that piece of wood that that lady, whatever her name is, pushed him off of and killed him in Titanic. So, like, don't do it. Just let go. <laughs> just just do your own thing, Natalie. Um, back at the house that night, Rose remembers that Natalie is her girlfriend. And they actually don't end up fighting. Rose is kind of walking around. Natalie's walking around. I don't know if she's serving. She's got food in her hand and giving it to people. And one of the... Um, one of Rose's protégés is like looking at her and you know, Rose is like, don't look at my girl like that. They do end up fucking. And 
But we don't ever see Rose and Natalie actually fucking. We see them making out. We see them leading up. And we see a very small bit of foreplay up until that. Um, but why didn't Showtime have to put porn music over it? They they were just kissing. Um, they're both hot, so it was hot. But, like, they absolutely put the bomb, chicka bomb, bomb over it. It was very, I was like, okay, all right, cool. So, Natalie's favorite part of Dinah is the pool parties. She likes to run around. She likes to meet people. You know, the things I hate to do, go in many places and meet people. <laughs> so... I remember, I used to go to debate camp, <laughs> which shows you the kind of person I was in high school. She went to debate camp up at a college, um, and I remember it would just be a lot of people from different schools, and like we want to meet people and stuff. And I'd always be like, I don't want to meet anybody. <laughs> I don't even. For, quite frankly, I should have never went because I was such a fucking bitch. And so I didn't want to meet anybody. I was like absolutely there to hone my debate skills. And this one year, and like they'd always have like parties and shit at night. And I mean, it was overwhelmingly white. And I went to a black high school who had a very small debate team. We used to win a lot, but I mean, we go to other schools in our district that had like fucking 20, 30 people on the fucking team, you know? And we... The debate team was me and my partner and sometimes two other people. It really depended on which year. So, like, but we went to the debate camp and I just remember, like, having to go to these parties at night and just being like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I was rooming with this girl who was super naive. I think her name was Tiffany, maybe. And one day she accidentally drank, like, a Mountain Dew and she was very concerned because she had heard that little Kim had to get her stomach pumped for for semen and that there was semen inside Mountain Dew. And I was like, that's not true. I mean, I, we could have got on the internet. I mean, we didn't have the internet in our pockets then. But I was just like, I mean, maybe she had her stomach pumped because she had too much semen in it. But remember, that was like a rumor about little Kim. Anyway, I, so we used to go to all these parties at night and it was just like a lot of stuff. And... So I don't know if you guys know this, but if you're on a debate team, they choose a theme. We were a pol- I wasn't a Lincoln Douglas debater. That's for one person and one person I had a partner as a policy debater. Um, and so they do a theme every year. Okay. So it will basically be like about industrialization in China or something like that. Okay. And so what would happen is they would sell all these books um, that would have information on the debate. So like a lot of times we have to raise money to buy those books because we would have to create briefs. Um, and policy debaters have negative and affirmative teams. We were a negative team and they would, um, and basically the affirmative team would put forth a policy plan and the negative team would cut it down. And we would have to, and a judge would decide based on who won, based on our points, whether, and like how we spoke and stuff and I always won speaker points and I oh and we won quite a bit we won a lot for a little tiny team with two little black kids on it one of which couldn't go anywhere because a lot of times because his dad was a preacher <laughs> so like we'd just be cut out of tournaments because his dad was a preacher and it was like a religious holiday like a random that I'd never heard of like he was like a, a Pentecostal preacher I was like what and so but um so those books are important. They're expensive too. And we just have to fundraise for them. We didn't have the funds for those. Like my mom was going to give me like a bunch of like hundreds of dollars to buy these fucking books so I could create briefs 
on for my policy debate tournaments. You know what I'm saying? And at the debate camp, we had some of them because we'd already bought some for the year, the upcoming year. And we were there with like really rich white kids who came from much better schools than us, or excuse me, more affluent schools than we did. And we were, and our books got missing. And we could not find them. We could not find them. And some people we were working with were just like, oh, we don't know where they are and stuff. And I just remember at one point being like, cause I've done so many car washes to get those fucking books. And I just remember being like, you know what? I'm just gonna look in your bag. <laughs> this like, like the way I remember him, he looked like Macaulay Culkin is Richie Rich. Okay, that's what he and like he literally had a gold coin. He was flipping. Like he, that's what I remember. He was such a rich looking person, and he just had everything. I just remember like he had like embroidery on his backpack, and I know that's so small. When I talk about, I've talked about how I have to go to the magnet school for sciences. Uh, half the day from high school and how I went with like kids who had a lot more money than me and how I'd be there and just be like oh my god you have embroidery on your back how did you get that mine came from Kmart like when I think of the things that made him rich I just think about like how how he spent money at the cafeteria how he he just had things that that like I could never afford and stuff and I even think he had like a T, what's that, T90? You know those calculators, those graphing calculators that we used to have, have? And he told me it was his third one. And I was like, I had to beg Barlow still to get my mom to buy me one. My mom was like, you do not need calculus. <laughs> I was like, I am in a calculus class. Please buy this for me. And I believe it was like a hundred and some change. I don't know how much it was, but he had three of them. Like he just seemed like a rich person to me. But somehow during this study group, um, that we were doing, we were like, it was like a breakout session. I just go, I'm going to look in your backpack just like that. And he was like, <gasps> and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to look in here. Cause he kept, he had this big fucking backpack that was embroidered. It was probably from LL Bean or something, which I didn't even find out was a thing times 25. And so he, and so like, I was like, yeah. So I just start unzipping it. And he's got a ton of shit in there and there's my shit. There's this, like these, like they're called, um, Baylor, the college Baylor makes them. I mean, other places make them. There's Wake Forest makes them too, but like we had Baylor's and there's like three weekends of washing cars and like getting sponsorships in his bag. And so like I pull them out and I go, so these are ours. And he's like, no, 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 no. And then I open them because we put, because we wrote our school name and, and me and my partner's name in them. It's like, that's, that's ours. And he's like, oh. Wow, man, they were in there the whole time. And I was like, I just had a moment where either I could make a big deal out of this and call him a filthy fucking thief who, from, I mean, I don't know his life, but from where I was standing, like when his mom came and picked him up, he didn't, he didn't ride in his debate teacher's car, by the way. Um, his mom came and picked him up and she was driving a Mercedes, which someone had to tell me it was a Mercedes because I didn't fucking know. Like, from my point of view, he seemed like someone who had everything in the fucking world to me, okay? Obviously, my perception my perception has changed now. But at the time, I was just like, this guy does not have to do car washes. This guy does not have to pay to go to prom. This guy's not going to work at Hardy's part-time to pay for books for college. It's not going to work. And 
he had the nerve to steal from us, the poorest school there. Why am I talking about this? I don't remember. <laughs> I, I, I think I just got off topic because I was talking about debate camp. But I decided that, first of all, my partner was in a different breakout group. So being the only black person in this group of five people in a library of the college and being one of like four black people in this group of a couple hundred kids, I decided that I didn't want to be I didn't want to be the face of a big deal. So I went through his whole backpack. I took everything out of there that didn't belong to him. So he's, he's stolen from some other people too. And I gave it back. To, and I just was like, and this is yours. There's a guy named Billy. And he was from Philly. And that's why I remember his name. And, and I was like, Billy, isn't this yours? Isn't this? And I gave them back to them. And I sat down and I told the guy, I was like, you know, it's probably a mistake, but I'm pretty sure this mistake isn't going to happen again. I'm pretty sure you're not going to end up with somebody else's stuff, right? He was like, no, you know, things happen, you know, clean it up, just put things away. And I'm like, mm -hmm, sure. And I just let it fucking go. Anyway, I'm done talking about the big camp, but this is, <laughs> I, this is, this is the type of stuff that like when, Ro when Natalie's going down there, she's like, we get to meet a lot of people that I would be like at debate camp. And they'd be like, there's a, there's a mixer at the college club. Cause it, it was during the summer, there was no college maybe it was the summer was it the summer maybe and there's no college in session so there'd be like their little hangout spot or whatever and i'd be like i do not want to mix with anybody <laughs> i do not want to go down there and like dance to mariah carey's butterfly by the way uh fucking, what is this honey mariah carey's honey just come out that's how fucking old i am and the little naive girl i was uh rooming with was like Oh my God, I just love Mariah Carey. I'm so happy she's out from underneath Tommy Mottola. She's just so beautiful and she's out here. She's coming out she's just gonna live her life. And I've, I've never forgotten. I was just looking at her like, girl, okay. <laughs> I'm so happy you're so happy for Mariah Carey, but can we go back to our room at any point? <laughs> like, I did not wanna be here. Anyway, off fucking topic, an hour in, way off topic. But, um. You know, so at some point, Natalie and Rose get into it. And I think it's because Natalie has to use the bathroom and somebody is showing her where a bathroom is and she doesn't have to wait in line for it. And Rose sees a friend and wants to say hello. And Natalie goes, Rose, and like calls her over because Natalie has to pee. And it's like, come on, we're going to the bathroom. And Rose like flips off. And I mean, I guess Natalie did yell and was kind of like, bring your ass over here, kind of like, but... I mean, I don't know. Ro I feel like Rose overreacted, to be honest, because Rose is like, I'm just trying to talk to my friend. She's like, you were talking to your friend, and now you're calling me, and this is disrespectful, and this and that, and this, blah, blah, blah. And Natalie apologizes. She apologizes so many times at this point. She's like, she does want to fight. She's sorry. She didn't mean to do that. She's sorry. She's sorry. She's sorry. And Rose is like, no, you don't talk to me like that. You don't talk to me like that. And then Rose says, we need a break. We need a beat, right? So... They kind of take a moment to each other. And what happens is that I guess Natalie goes to the bathroom and, she, you know, she's talking to someone and Rose talking to a group of people. And then she looks over and Rose is walking away from her. Her and her group of people are going somewhere else. And Natalie runs down there and, like, calls her. And she's trying to get her attention and Rose is ignoring her and finally catches up to her. And she's like, what the fuck is going on? And Rose is like, 
dude, dude, you're disrespectful, bro. Like she's like, the way she's talking to her. And then Natalie's like, I've already apologized. I want to just drop it. I'm very sorry. I don't want to argue with you right now. Let's, you know, let's move forward. And Rose is still mad. And it kind of feels like no matter what Rose says, I mean, what Natalie says, Rose has decided she's gonna be mad. I like, and my my opinion is that Natalie did not want to be around Rose. She was out there. She was doing her bro thing, bro sub, bro ham. She wants to she wants to dap people. She wants to. She doesn't want to be around Natalie right now, which is I'm neutral about. You know, like okay, then tell her, tell her to go hang out with her friend, and then you go hang out with your friends and chill. It's fine. Um, Rose and like Natalie apologizes one more time and says she wants to drop it. And Rose says Natalie needs to step it up. And Natalie says in her talking head, she thinks Rose is purposely fighting with her. And I agree. <laughs> and so Rose kind of walks off and Natalie goes to have fun with, I mean, Rose says that she's going to have fun with Whitney and Natalie goes to find her best friend. Um, and they have a good time. They're dancing. And I guess they're kind of, Rose says Natalie's on her best behavior. But what, dancing, I guess they're like dancing together. They're grinding on each other. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's because I've watched so many sex scenes on this show. It didn't seem very sexy to me. And it didn't seem like much was going on. It just seemed, it seemed like they were two girls dancing for attention. That's what it seemed like. It didn't seem anything like that. Um, so when they meet up again, they're still fighting. And Rose says that Natalie knows what she did. Natalie says she's been apologizing over and over again. And I think Rose, I it's hard to figure because they're going at each other. But I think Rose says, nah, I'm done. And then Natalie says, Natalie says do you really want to be done? And Rose says, don't threaten me. And then walks off with her friends. And when her friend asks Rose what's Natalie's problem, Natalie says, I mean, Rose says she's a dumb bitch. I have some very big problems with the way Rose talks about Natalie and to Natalie. Rose, I think a lot of stuff gets gets downplayed because Rose is a woman. And I think that if Rose were a man, a tall man, a tall macho Latinx man, then I think people would be like, oh shit, she just called her a dumb bitch. Like, I think that a lot of stuff gets... Um, played off because Rose is a woman and I think that 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 in itself is misogyny like Rose is misogynistic but we give her a pass because of misogyny do you understand what I'm trying to say that like well Rose is a woman so she can't be that aggressive Rose is a woman so what she says about women is okay like that that in itself is misogyny when you say to yourself, well, this thing is wrong. Talking to people wrong, calling your partner a dumb bitch is, is aggressive no matter who says it. But Rose, who's a very pretty woman, who's a very soft looking woman, um, she's not even like, even though she she's like butchy, she's not butch the way Whitney is. She, she Like I said, she looks like fucking Ava Mendez. And... She comes off the way she wears dresses. She, you know, those those um those uh club dresses going out 
uh, going out dresses that she wears. That's not something Whitney would wear. That's not, it's certainly not something Mikey would wear. Um, she's femme in a lot of ways and people give her a pass for these things. But I found that incredibly aggressive. I find a lot of what, I find what she does with Natalie kind of abusive. And I'm, I'm kind of softening it by saying kind of, but we'll, let's talk to the next scene. We'll, I'll finish up that thought. So Rose says Natalie has an attitude. Well, mm, that's not, first of all, Rose says at this point, she doesn't care about Natalie and leaves her at the party. This is the second time we've watched Rose leave Natalie somewhere at the party. So back in the house, Rose says that she and Natalie are broken up or and on a break or whatever. And then she walks in the bathroom, back in the in the bedroom, and Natalie is there. Now I don't know what kind of time, what kind of time has passed between her leaving her at the party and going back to this house. I'm not sure. But Natalie has made it back to the house at this point. Um and Rose leaving Natalie at the party, even if Natalie had gotten mad and decided to go home and left, Rose doesn't know that. She doesn't contact Natalie at all. She just leaves her there. It hits different for me because Rose controls this relationship with money and access to things. And the power dynamic is so off. So, and we'll talk about money here in a second. But if Rose has all the money, and leaves and someone who doesn't have any money at the party by themselves without telling them just being like you're a dumb bitch and you have and you've like and 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 you played yourself and uh you're not behaving the way i want you to so guess what i'm leaving you here how does natalie get back to the house i don't know this is gross watching this so Rose asks her where she's going, and Natalie says, don't worry about it. Rose says Natalie has an attitude, and all she has to do is apologize because she was the one who walked into the party like drama. Natalie has been apologizing from the beginning, and although I can agree that sometimes it's embarrassing to be out in public and have like someone, like a significant other, calling your name and calling it in a way that like, like you're a child and you better come over here, that's that's rude but that's not exactly what natalie did and even if we can agree that and even if we decide that's the let natalie was rude to to rose by calling her and telling her to hurry up while she was trying to talk to somebody rose's reactions are always above and beyond like i said when they were at that club when rose's grandma was in the hospital rose used her grandma as an excuse to leave natalie there and go fuck with her ex Maybe she was actually going through something, maybe. But the fact is, you picked a fight with Natalie so that you could ditch her and and go fuck with your ex. That's what you did. And if your ex had agreed to, like, fuck you that night, you and Natalie would have never got back together after that fight. So she's asking Natalie if she took her cash that she had in the room because I guess she'd come back for more cash. And Natalie says no. And Rose says, but you took all my drink tickets. And Natalie says she doesn't need your money. And Natalie says that she had to get something from Rose because Rose doesn't pay her. So after 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 fucking with Natalie all that time to quit that job, because remember, she didn't quit it right away. And Rose was annoyed. Part of the reason Rose was annoyed was because Natalie had that outburst at the wedding and also she wasn't quitting that job like she said she was. And that's why Rose went out and did and had the strip party. 
which again, I don't think a strip party is the worst thing in the world, but the fact that you lied about it and that if Natalie had done it, you, you kick her out of the house. She said for a little bit, like you'd have to leave for a little bit and then I'll let you come back. Like Rose is gross. Um, so you, you pressured her to quit that fucking job. Even if she should have quit it, you pressured her to do it and now to, to work with you and you don't pay her. So already there was a, a, uh, money imbalance. There was a power imbalance in their relationship because Rose had more money than Natalie and could pay for everything and then could also bring up that she pays for everything every fucking five minutes. So then once you get her to quit her job so she doesn't have any income coming in besides what you pay her, then you don't pay her? Then Rose, the next thing Rose says is, I don't pay you, but I spend more than what you make on your clothes, Right? Whoa, that is classic financial abuse, guys. That is classic. Like they make it, they, first of all, they isolate you from a way for you to make money. Then they, then they control the money that you're given. Then they, then they, um, then they do things like gifts they bought you count towards money you should have had. Like, so let's say you're supposed, let's say you're a stay at home mom. Your husband works, okay? He makes all the money and he handles all the money. So he says that you can have uh, $200 a week for food. Um, and then for you, to for food for the house. That's your that's your household money for 200 bucks. Of, and that's what you're supposed to pay stuff with for the house. And then if he buys you a dress, he only gives you 150 because he spent 50 on the dress. As if the food the food requirements have gone down but because you got a dress we got to take that out of your your like th this is classic fucking abuse right um and Natalie should never agree to it but i can also see like getting in a position where now you've quit your job you started working it's payday and rose tells you well you know i've food and clothing and everything i've already like i put it towards that and you're like, what? And he's, and she's like, well, you know, you'll make more money that way. And if you need anything, just let me know and I'll just pay it. So this is two reasons. This is a main reason not to mix a business and a personal relationship. First of all, Rose is talking about gifts that she bought for Natalie and acting as if they're salary. Like this is fucked up. Um, <sighs> I like when she said that I had to pause the shit and take a minute to myself because classic fucking abuser behavior. Okay. So Natalie says she doesn't want her money and Rose asks Natalie if she wants to talk because here's the thing. You got us to this position, Rose, right? So you don't really want Natalie there, but she's there. I'm sure you've had conversations with your protégés about how you wish you were going alone so you could look at the hot women and blah, 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 blah. Natalie's there. You act. You ignore her actively at the party. You act like you don't want her around the fucking um, pool party, and and essentially you pick a fight with her, and you or excuse me, they may have argued about her yelling at her across the room. Like like if I were in a party with my husband and he screamed across the room, princess, princess, come here right now, come here. I I would be annoyed too, and we might have a little go back and forth about it. I mean, I might go over there and be like, what up? By the way, I'm already mad at my husband. Yes, you know, 
I'm not mad at him, but I'm annoyed by him. So I've talked openly about how my husband sleepwalks, sleep talks, and can even sleep drive. Um, but one thing you should know about my husband is that he sleep lies. So I woke him up today. He, he didn't get until 4.30 in the morning from his job. Obviously, I was already asleep. I heard him. I smelled his water burger. I heard him in the shower and everything. I knew he was in the house. And when I get up this morning for the kids, you know, they're already arguing at 7 o'clock in the fucking morning. He's still asleep. But I know he's got a 9 a.m. appointment with his for his car. So I say, I don't say anything to him right then and there. Sorry. <laughs> I say nothing. But I don't know, around 8-ish because I know he's already taking a shower. He doesn't need to be up that early. I go, I start to wake him up. I go, you still got that 9 o'clock appointment? And he goes, oh, no, I don't. I was like, mm, yeah, we've been talking about this appointment. You have an appointment today. And he goes, no, I don't. I canceled that appointment, Princess. I called them. The appointment, I moved it. I was like, are you sure? And he goes, yeah, I definitely moved it. And then I go, are you sleep talking to me again? Because he does sleep talk. And he goes, no. And he opens his eyes really fucking wide and goes, I'm awake. I said, okay, I guess you don't have a nine o'clock appointment. And I walk off. At 11.30. He comes out of the bedroom because I'm not waking him up today because he's been at work since 4.30 in the morning. I'm not waking him up. Um, he comes out and goes, you know I had an appointment today. And I yelled at him. I unleashed on him. Because here's the thing. I am the organized person in this relationship. He's a low maintenance person in the relationship. But because I'm so worried about people being late places, like my whole life is waking him up and making sure and calling him and double checking and blah, blah, blah. That's my whole fucking life with everybody in my life. If you, if you podcast listener told me you had a 9 a.m. appointment at about 8.30, I would start to worry for you. And I'd be like, oh my God, maybe, is there a way I can do a post to make sure the listener goes to, <laughs> like I, that's who the person, that's the type of person I am. So my whole life is like reminding him about stuff. So for him to come out of that bedroom and be like, you know, I had an appointment today and I'm like, yeah, I told you. And he goes, I don't remember any of that. I didn't have, I said, you opened your eyes really wide. He says, mm -mm, I never had that conversation. He's like, I must've been asleep the whole time. He's, and so he's trying to hug me and kiss me. And I'm like, get the fuck off me because don't you dare walk out of here. Knowing you sleep, you talk in your fucking sleep. Knowing you sleep a lot. Cause I said, he's, I should have, you know what? I'm not blaming myself because he's done his shit to me before. Like, I'll be like, don't you have to go to work? And he'll be like, no, I'm off today. <sighs> Three hours later, princess, I had to go to work. I'll be like, you told me you didn't have to go to work and to leave you alone. <laughs> Why are you? So I was really mad at him this morning. Now, I could choose to be mad for the rest of the day. And I would like to be. But I also want him to do something for me. So I've decided not to be mad. So. <laughs> So I get it. Like, like what? I, the whole point of that is that Rose and Natalie, something small can turn into something big. I get that part. I get how someone's annoying you. I get little, I get back and forth, okay? Like fighting in a relationship should be an Olympic sport because I would have so many medals. But <laughs> I'm, I'm right a lot. But I, Rose's behavior this entire trip has been suspect and has been wrong. And for her to get to this point, after she leaves Natalie at that party, now maybe she didn't actually leave that. Maybe Natalie decided to go, decided she was done when Rose told her she was done. She Maybe she heard her call her stupid bitch too. Um, maybe. And Rose was like, I'm going to go pack and leave. But Ro 
I mean, and Natalie was like, I'm going to go pack and leave. But Rose did not fucking know that. She she thought she was leaving that. She thought she was doing something. And so after all, we get to this point. She's packing up. And Natalie is just like very much on one right now. She's like, mm, no, no, I'm just trying to, like, Rose is like, why are you slamming shit? And Rose is like, I'm just trying to get out quick. I mean, Natalie's like, I'm just trying to get out quick right now. I'm just doing, I'm just getting my stuff. I don't need your money. You don't pay me anyway. Like, she's very, she's, she's hyped. But, so now that we've gotten Natalie to this point, where she's about to leave a weekend, and a weekend getaway with you, now Rose is like, do you want to talk? Natalie asked you to talk fucking hours ago when you were over here saying that she that she needs to learn her place and all this other stuff and how all she had to do was apologize. She did apologize 50 fucking times. We watched it on the camera. I am so fucking mad at Rose. I'm still very sexually attracted to her, but I'm still mad. So at some point, the cameras leave the room because all we're hearing is um is like audio. And, you know, Rose is trying to get Natalie to stay and talk and to realize that she's the wrong party. <laughs> and and they're, like, arguing. And at one point, Rose is like, why did you pull my hair? Natalie pulled Rose's hair. And Natalie's like, I'm just tired. I'm done. I want to leave. I want to leave. Um, obviously, you're not supposed to pull people's hair when you're in an argument. Domestic, like... Getting physical in a domestic argument is domestic violence, okay? Um, that said, like, I am less upset with Natalie because from the audio, it sounds like Rose is trying to prevent Natalie from leaving that room. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like Rose is, like, in front of the door. It's kind of like... And maybe not... Like, because Natalie's voice is getting more and more hysterical. Like, she's, it, the, the tone, the, like, she sounds more and more upset. And she keeps saying, I just want to go. I just want to go. And it sounds like Rose won't let her go. And then Rose, he pulled, she pulled her hair or whatever. Now, keep in mind, all this is interspersed with, with Mikey and Raquel fucking. And I didn't like this at all. I know that, like, the show thinks it's, like, super edgy by, like, Having, because, you know, having Mikey and Raquel going at it and Mikey's hand on Raquel's neck as they kiss and blah, blah, blah. And like, but I didn't like it because Mikey and Raquel are in a relationship and are, are like consensually fucking each other. And that sounds like, that sounds like now Rose won't let Natalie leave that room. And she's already been financially abusing her. She's been gaslighting her with like, picking fights and acting like Natalie's done shit just so she can go out and like fuck strippers or whatever and and um go talk to her ex the it I really hope Rose has grown I really hope so I'm not I I really hope she's grown um so Natalie says she's done and that's it Natalie goes home Rose says she's been the best girlfriend she's ever been and it is what it is she's very nonchalant about it so I guess that means she's already got plans to fuck someone else because you know Rose can't be alone she's a shingler and I've explained that because I'm one myself <laughs> I think I can be alone but I'm someone who like will just hang out in a relationship longer than I need to be and then finally leave the relationship once I've popped it I don't know why I maybe I can't be alone I need to go back to therapy so um 
it feels like a lot later when we see the last part of their segment and that's Natalie's in the car. I'm assuming there's a cameraman in the car in the seat with her. They don't have like they don't have what are those things called? GoPros. And she says, my plans are not to be with Rose. And it sounds like a production said, so what are your plans? <laughs> and Nellie goes, um, my plans not to be with Rose. Um, she says Rose is mean to her. Her driving away from her at Dinah was the best feeling she ever had. And she doesn't think Rose will miss her too much because what one won't do, 10 will. And I think that's something that like Rose used to say to her. Another like tactic of like abusers. <laughs> To make it seem like, to to keep you, like, keep you in your place by letting you know that as soon as you're gone, someone else will be here. You know, like, um, I used to have a boss when I worked at IHOP, which was probably one of my best serving gigs. But, like, I left Denny's to go work at IHOP, the new IHOP in town. Um, I made a lot of money there. Also, people stole tips. And I mean customers. Customers would steal your fucking tip off a table. Cute. Uh, I, I made money. And, but the boss there who owned the franchise, I guess, would be like, will walk around with applications in his back pocket. And like, if you, if he didn't like how you were acting or do what you want, or you, you know, he would, he would thump He'd roll them up like a newspaper, like, you know, how you roll up a newspaper and like thump them on his hand and kind of tap them um, and be like, these are people who want jobs. Do you want a job? Like, like that. And I mean, he was the worst fucking boss. Not the worst boss I've ever had. I've had bad bosses, but he was really like, he did a lot of yelling. He didn't really help. He, he didn't, he would be there and just be yelling about stuff. Um, it, it was a lot. It, we had a ride in there and his, and he wanted us to keep working and shit. Like people were shooting, not inside. I'm only, the Denny's I worked in, somebody was shooting inside. And like, I was super poor there, like where I had to choose between eating or getting a book, like to like, and a lot of times I'd be like, that's what a dollar menu was for. And I remember like getting a pair of black dress pants was like really hard. I mean, like I said, I made money there, but I was also living in a motel. So, like, it was being homeless as an adult. I was living in a motel. And so, with my horrific, abusive relationship, and, um, like, I, ha- between buses and, eat, like, I, I did not believe I could afford $20 for a new pair of pants. And it was the only pants I, I wore to work. Like, I'd have to wash it to go to work. And so every day I'd get there, because I didn't own a stapler either. Like, so every day I'd get there, I'd get the stapler from the host desk and go in the bathroom and staple my pants so that they would, like, so that they would stay together. And I think we made $2 and some change an hour, maybe two thirteen, maybe two ten, something like that. And the rest was on tips, so you had to, you had to beg for tables and shit like that and hope you got tables hope 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 and he and like he would just be walking around so mad all the time and like you know you didn't put the butter where it's supposed to go blah 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 blah, and pull out these applications and let you know somebody else wanted this job and that's what I think of when I think of Rose like well don't worry somebody else will be you can leave so I'll be here in 10 minutes like (laughs) Abusive. Anyway, um, she says, just glad it's over. Me too. 
Me fucking too. That's too much. Um, although I would not be surprised if they slept together three more times after this, and then finally they gone. So let's talk about Tracy. Woof, we're oh, this is a long one. <laughs> this is, we're an hour and forty five minutes in. Okay, so Michelle, Tracy's roommate, comes over to Stamie's house and they meet the kids and they're talking head. Uh, Tracy is saying that her mom not respecting her life is disrespectful. Ding, 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 ding. Yes, you're not being disrespectful, Tracy. Your mom is being disrespectful. Um, like, you're not fingering Stamie on top of your mom's car in her driveway. You're having a relationship and you're asking that your mother acknowledge it. That's two different things. Stamie's uh, talking head says, baby steps, baby steps. Bitch, you're almost 60. How many baby steps do you have in you? I laughed so fucking hard, but I wonder what Zori said when she saw that. So they kiss a little bit in the house and rub on each other. Even this is not terrible to me. I mean, they're like slapping each other's butts or whatever, but they're so excited to do so because Zori's not there right now. Maybe Zori's staying with one of the sisters. Sammy just didn't realize having Tracy's mom out there was gonna be more, was gonna be this stressful. Um, I can understand that. Like it's, you're walking a tightrope the whole time. You have to make sure what you're saying. You have to be on your best behavior. You have to make sure you have to filter everything you're saying. You have to make sure you're not touching Tracy, who you've been in a relationship and really want to continue to be in one with. Um, you have to hear how she doesn't want to meet your kids. And and then there and then Tracy's trying to get it to happen. So you're like, do I even want her to meet my kids? Because let me tell you what, she meets my kids and says anything. Like, your mom's a muff diver. I'm going to fuck her up. <laughs> like... Yeah, it's a lot. So Stacy and Tracy are doing a P mm. Stamy and Tracy are doing a PSA for California One Care, which is apparently like a universal health care in California. I don't know if it passed, but that's they're trying to pass that. Her mother comes to watch them do it. Daughtry is there. Daughtry is the two and a half year old twin. Daughtry. I think the other one's name is Nico. And you know, Zori ends up spending some time with Daughtry because Daughtry's sitting there waiting, watching, you know, Stamy and Tracy do their thing. Um, you know, uh, Tracy's very important in Daughtry's life. And, you know, she's one of her caregivers. The caregivers, you can see earlier, we see like uh, Tracy asking them which one poo pooed in their diaper. And, and Daughtry's like, not me, not me. And they're like, she's giving her a kiss and stuff. Like, Daughtry doesn't know the nuances of relationships. Like, obviously she knows her moms are not still together. They don't live together. She understands she goes back and forth. And like, she's spending time with her ex, with, um, with, with I forget um, Stamie's ex's name. But she's spending time with her mom and her other mom's not there. And then she goes to her, like, she understands, like, at two and a half, you can get the schedule down. But the nuances of that, Stamie and Tracy are now together and that Tracy is now an important part of your life. And she's going to be a mother figure to you as you grow older, like a stepmom, although I don't think they're married. But, you know, she feels that stepmom role and that Zori is Tracy's mom, but Tracy is like she doesn't understand all that. She just know Tracy's someone she has fun with and gives her baths and is there at her other mom's house and is one of her people, one of her grown-ups. Um, which is a great way to talk about parents to small children instead of saying parents, because you know, I've had to talk I've like you know, kids in school, like they'll do things like bring your baby picture. And I've had to say to a teacher, like, listen, 
he doesn't have baby pictures because he's adopted and you like stressing upon him for a week that needs to bring a baby picture is stressing him the fuck out because he doesn't know how to get one and neither do I. And the next year she has, that teacher now has my foster kid in. They did the same project and she didn't ask for baby pictures. She asked for pictures from when you were young or older pictures. She, the way she described it was more like, accessible so you could have gotten a picture from a year ago or something like that but also like things like don't say call your parents or ask your mom and dad not everybody has a mom and dad at home some people were raised by grandparents or they're in foster care or they just have a mom or they just have a dad and this you constantly saying your mom and dad your mom and dad some people have two moms like daughtry some people have four moms like daughtry and so like, and you constantly being like, your mom, your mom and dad, your mom and dad, your mom and dad, your mom and dad is like, I know you don't think it means any harm and it's like a small thing, but it's like death by a thousand cuts, something you hear all the time, your mom and dad, and you don't have a mom and dad the way they're talking about. So great, just a little tip. I, I know I'm, <laughs> I know, I know this is a random thing to say in the middle is that when you're talking to children, instead of saying mommy and daddy say you're grownups because Every child has grown-ups in their lives. Every child has grown-ups that are taking care of them, step-parents, foster parents, grandparents, maybe the typical mom, maybe the the stereotypical mom and dad. Maybe it's two moms or two dads, but when you say you're grown-ups, they know what you're talking about. Oh, the grown-ups in my life. Anyway, so Daughtry knows she has, Stacy's one of her grown-ups. She does not know all this power struggle. So she's just sitting there watching people that she loved do her thing and she's being very quiet and cute. And, you know, so Zori ends up talking to her about our lollipop and stuff. And here's the thing. I knew this was going to fucking happen. Not just because I've seen this show, but because cute, well-behaved kids will will win anybody over. So even people who hate kids, which I don't get. I think people who hate kids and people who love all kids are like paddling the same boat. Like, I don't understand how you could love all children. You don't know all children. I don't know how you can hate all kids. You don't hate all children. I hate roaches, even though I haven't met all of them because I know what a roach does. (laughs) Scared of roaches. What I'm saying, though, is that, like, when I'm on Twitter and people are constantly tweeting about how much they don't like children, and then there are people that are tweeting about, every tweet is about how precious children are and how important children are and children, children, children. I'm like, you guys, same people, same fucking people. Why are you so worried? <laughs> stop worrying. Like, if you don't like kids, stop worrying about other people's fucking kids then. And you, leave other people's kids alone. <laughs> I don't care if you like them. Leave them alone. It's none of your business. This is absolutely none of either one of your business. Anyway. <laughs> but even if you fucking hate kids, a cute two and a half year old who's also being well-behaved and like interacting with you will get you. And Zori doesn't hate kids. I guarantee you she doesn't. She's got three of her own. She's looking for her fucking grandchildren. Look at her. She loves kids. I guarantee you, like I, just all you had to do was open a door, send Daughtry in there and close the door and leave it alone. But whatever. So, you know, they, it's hard not to. Um, so they end up taking some pictures with Zora, Zori and Tracy and Stamie and Daughtry and family pictures and stuff. And it's cute. Um, Tracy wanted an intimate dinner at her aunt's house for her birth, her 30th, her actual 30th birthday. Her, and that I was like, her aunt lives there. Zori absolutely should move out to California. She absolutely, I, 
like I want to update with Tracy because I want to understand her coming to sexuality. I want to understand when she fell in love with that woman at 25, has she had any idea what, and when she was with men, was she happy or was it something she felt like she had to do? Was she, was, who, who was the driving force of her doing that? And does she consider herself bisexual or is she, does she consider herself a lesbian? And why? Does she consider herself a lesbian because she's been with a relationship with Stamie for so long and she, and she is not going to be with a man or does she recognize that being in a relationship with someone of one sex does not mean that you do not like the opposite sex. It just means that you're in love with this person and monogamous to this person. Like, I'd love to have that conversation with her and see, because she's only a small part of this ensemble of people and this, and that probably doesn't contribute to her storyline. So we don't get a lot of information about it, but I'd love to have that conversation with her. I'd love to like ask her. Um, but the main thing I want to know is did Zori move to LA because she, or at least to the burbs of LA, cause that's where she needs to be. All her daughters are there. Her sister is there. Like fucking bring your ass on girl. Anyway, <laughs> Stammy's ready for Zori to go. <laughs> it's a lot of having Zori there and all that goes with it. I feel the same way. Anytime someone has to stay at my house for any reason, I'm ready for you to go period. Um, Tracy wants to give Stamie the biggest kiss on her birthday, but she can't until her mom leaves. I'm like, girl, kiss your woman. Kiss her. Shit. What is your mother gonna do? She, here's the thing. This isn't always true, but it's mostly true. Your mother, when you're an adult child, your mother needs you more than you need her. Your mother wants to be around you more. She wants, like, she can threaten all she wants, but she wants to be in your life. And like I said, it's not always true. There are some people that are just like, that'll cut off anybody. I'll cut off anybody, but certainly not my kids. <laughs> but, but like, Tracy, you have the upper hand here. She's got, she's on your fucking turf. And I understand, I think it's, I think it's appropriate that you don't want to like make her feel bad or like make her uncomfortable, but just kissing Stamie isn't going to hurt anybody. Zori says in a talking head that she guess she's the one that has to change. And I'm like, yes, yes, you're the one that has to figure out. Tracy is not going to change based on what you want. Tracy says in her talking head that she's choose that she's not. She always thought that she it was between choosing Stamie or her mom, but she's not. She's choosing herself. And I'm like, yes, girl, always choose yourself. I know it's a hard lesson to learn. It's even harder to put in practice. It's very easy for me to sit up here and say, choose yourself. I don't always choose myself. Sometimes I don't choose myself because I'm looking at long run. You know what? I, I always talk about future princess. <laughs> Am I making things harder or easier for future princess? Like it works stuff like... Sometimes I can either be petty and be like, no, I'm not going to do that. But sometimes I say yes, even though I'm in every, I have every right to say no, because I am thinking about future princess. Like, is future princess going to do this four days from now? Or should I do take 10 minutes to do it right now to save future princess problems? And so sometimes I don't always choose myself because I'm thinking about future princess. Like... Obviously, I cover it home for my husband because Future Princess wants to spend the money he makes. <laughs> but, like, I try to look into the future and go, 
will future princess love or hate princess at this moment for making this choice? But for the most part, yeah, choose yourself. Choose yourself. Um, especially with big things like who you're going to be with, who you're going to share your life with, whether you're going to be in the closet or not. I know it's super hard. And the, someone listening to this, I might even be preaching to the choir. People have their reasons for things. But honestly, Tracy... Yeah, I love that she said that. Choose yourself, Tracy. Um, the next time we see Tracy, Zori is back home and calling, saying she likes everyone she met in town. She's so happy. She doesn't want to judge anyone and that Tracy's not doing anything wrong, which is a very awkward way of saying, I think your life looks really nice. And I was wrong about, I was worried. This is how I would say if I was Tracy's mother. And I, and I had had that problem. I mean, certainly I wouldn't have had it for five years. If Tracy would have told me that her that, you know, I'm in love with a woman and, you know, things are changing around here and I'm just letting you know and stuff. I probably would have visited her within six months just to see what's going on with Tracy. See her. See my baby. See her face. Fucking see her face. You know, when my kids come home from, like, my kids are in and out of fucking school, guys. Uh, it's stupid. I hate it, but it is. But when they are in school and they come home off the bus, I want to see their faces. I... <laughs> I always tell them I miss you while you're at school. I and I do miss them. And my littlest bear bear always goes, I miss you while you were at home. And I'm like, I wasn't at fucking home. I was working to take care of you. Anyway, I want to see my child's face. And I probably if Tracy had called me and been like really nervous to talk to me about the stuff, I would have been like, Well, I want to see your face. I want to look in your fucking face and see that you're okay. And let's say that's happened. So I go out, I see Tracy and meet her new girlfriend. I know the time when Tracy uh came out, it was not stay me but let's say it would stay me and her kids and i'm and you know i would be i'm honestly i would be nervous about my my young kid i mean she's 30 but getting involved with a woman who's older who's divorced or you know broken up out of a long-term relationship and has three kids i would be like oh that's a lot to take on tracy i didn't want to see that that's what i'd be nervous about but if i had gone there and everything gone well and i got home what i would say and what Zori should have said was like, hey, I'm so happy I came to visit you. I, you know what? Your life looks good, babe. It looks good. And I wouldn't say something like, you're not doing anything wrong. I would say, I was a little worried when I heard all the changes happening. But you know what? I was wrong. You looks like you've got it down and you look happy and I'm so happy for you. You know, all I care about is you being happy. So if you're happy, I'm happy. And good job, babe. Like you're doing a good fucking job. You, people underestimate how much people want to hear you're doing a good job from their parents. So fucking much. My little kids always are asking me, are you going to tell me I'm doing a good job? But it's crazy how as an adult you want to hear, you want that validation from your parents too. All people want it, whether they, whether they know it or not. You want that validation. Um, not all. There are exceptions, but you know what I'm saying. So that's what I would have said. But Zori's like, well, it turns out you're not doing anything wrong. <laughs> okay, Zori. Um, Tracy says she's happy to hear her mom say that outright. She, she, she knows her mom loves her, but she, that validation was really important. And when Stamie says hello, Zori enthusiastically says hi and is very happy. Um, and we find out that she still hasn't accepted Stamie's friend request, but that's not so bad because Facebook is not real life. <laughs> and that's the end of them. All right, two hours in, <laughs> let's finish up with Whitney. So Sada and her crew arrive at Whitney's house. They found an apartment near her. Whitney and Sada are planning to go to Dinah that weekend together. So 
you know, that's it. The Whitney helps her unpacked and they get to the, helps her unpack moving there. And then they're going to Dinah that weekend. Um, so they get a hotel, the whole crew's there and Whitney's like, let the debauchery begin. I, first of all, I want you guys to know Whitney talks like an old man. She's like, Ayo, when she meets, when, when Rose goes to hang out with her in her segment, she's like, Ayo, like she sounds, she's like somebody's dad. <laughs> she's like the kids in the internet these days. Ha ha ha, cha cha cha. I don't, <laughs> Whitney's styling of herself is very strange. I don't know. Somebody's dead. Um, so they get to the hotel and Whitney's like, let the debauchery begin. They get into bikinis and go to the Hilton pool party. Everybody's making out and drinking and dancing. Sada's grinding on Whitney and kissing her. Whitney says she can't stop touching her and getting caught up in her. Um, Sada says they're like in the pool at this point. Like they're drunk. You could tell with the conversation. Sada's like, I can see right through you. And says it in a good way. And Whitney says that Sada has fucked her up. She makes her most available to her. And she feels stupid. And Sada says it stresses her out that Whitney's thinking like this. And basically they're having like a drunk ass conversation. And Whitney says, Whitney and her talking, excuse me. I hit the mic. Whitney says in her talking hand, she came to the realization that, that they both have walls up and want to be in control and don't want to be vulnerable. So two people who are refusing to like show the pink soft underbelly and be vulnerable with each other. It's just two walls hitting each other. True. By the way, Whitney's wearing like jean capris, or maybe they call them clam digger because they're rolled up and a bikini top and a rag of some sort hanging out her back pocket. And maybe it's a t-shirt in case she has to put it on. I don't know. But I prefer to believe it's a rag and that she thinks she's one of the cash money boys or something. You know, <laughs> like, Whitney confuse the the dad talking the white dreads the the rag in the back she Whitney does a lot to me so what happens is after this drunk talk Whitney decided to go back up to the hotel and fuck we don't see much of it but I mean they're gonna fuck and by day two they're making out more and they're holding hands Whitney said she came to do whatever but at this point she has eyes only for Sada because Whitney is still very single okay her and Sada are not together Sada's just down there and they're just having a time with each other. So then Romy appears. Whitney is very shocked by this. But I'm like, Romy's been everywhere you've gone. Romy is very much a part of the LA lesbian scene as everybody else. And Romy will be going to Dinah too. Like, I think the first time I watched this, I fell for the show's... Um, implication that Romy was following Whitney around. And I'm and I'm not saying she wasn't. Like I keep saying, the way Romy kept showing up everywhere Whitney was, I don't ne think it necessarily was like she's stalking Whitney. I think it's part of the problem is that Whitney is creating like a small, like first of all, the circle's small. The lesbian circle in LA is small, big and small at the same time. And they know all the same people. They're friends with all the same fucking people. They run in all the same circles. And then also Whitney's running around with a camera following her while she's filming a lesbian TV show. Um, a takeoff of The L Word, which was immensely popular. So, here we are. And I'm sure people text her, like, Whitney's here. And she's filming that show or whatever. And also, I'm sure a couple times she was just going to be there anyway. And I'm sure she just went, like, she's at Dinah because that's where she would be. I'm giving her the benefit of a doubt. I know everybody thinks Romy's a snake, but I'm giving her the benefit of a doubt. So, um, 
when Sada sees Romy, she runs up to Romy, jumps on her and starts humping her. And Winnie's like, what the fuck? Romy says that she and Sada have started talking off of Facebook and that they've had a lot of mutuals. They, they're they friends with all the same people. She's Sada's moving to town and they don't want to be uh, oppositional to each other. And they both fuck Whitney, but they're like, neither one of them is with Whitney, okay? So it doesn't, so like in a lot of ways, you don't need to be enemies or anything. I mean, you're just out here doing your thing and Whitney happens to be part of your thing. Um, so they kind of get to know each other and Sada asked her not to tell Whitney, okay? So Whitney's mad about it, which I get. Like, you know, I hate when people don't tell me everything too. I was just about to cuss out Jill's mom and Nikki for showing up at the airport at a visit I would want to get, but I'd still be mad. So I get it, Whitney. But the thing is, <laughs> is that they don't really owe you anything. Just like you don't owe them anything. Just why it's just why just like it's okay for you to go around fucking whoever, moving tour in, like you want to start something with these girls, but here's the thing. You move someone into your home who you're fucking. Like, you don't owe anybody anything. And they don't, and if you don't owe them anything, they don't owe you anything either. So, and you knew they knew each other already. So, I mean, you this is bound to happen. So, after some time, Whitney, Whitney's like holding two drinks and walking around. This might be like editing issues where they're just, showing footage of Whitney walking around. At one point she's holding two drinks and she looks over and Sada and Romy are in the pool together. And they start making out and going at it. And Whitney's like, I'm done. (laughs) Also relatable, but also nobody owes, if you don't owe anybody anything, Whitney, they don't owe you anything either. So Whitney leaves the pool party and goes back to the room. She's crying in her confessional saying she doesn't need anybody. Which I think Whitney, Whitney was always swimming in pussy, but I think Whitney really became swimming in pussy after this because she became like kind of a celebrity in the lesbian world. And Whitney, <laughs> and I think part of this, the fact that the last time we see Whitney, she's upset uh, about, she feels left out and she's upset is part, she's she's still seen as sympathetic. Rose is not seen as sympathetic. And I think that if we had seen, which, I mean, they cut away from this. But I'm sure Sod and Whitney had a fight. I'm sure. It might have been at that fucking pool party. It might have been back at the hotel. It might have been. But I'm sure they had a fight. But if we had seen a fight between the two of them there, I don't know how, how sympathetic Whitney would come off, you know? But because of the way this is edited, with her just crying and the confessional going, I I always act like I don't need anybody. I really don't need anybody. I don't know. I bet there's a lot of women that were like, I will fix you, Whitney. I will be there in a minute. So next time we see Whitney and Sada, they're in the car with the whole crew driving back from Palm Springs. Awkward. <laughs> Like, there's no mention of them having a conversation, which I'm sure they did. Winnie says that Dinah just solidified that she and Sada are not ready to be in a relationship. True. And Winnie says she's single as hell. So, ladies, big pause, watch out. <laughs> um, and that's the end of them. I mean, uh, we get to a montage of the ladies, uh, all the ladies living their lives. Jill and Nikki washing their dog. Uh, Tracy bathing kids with Sada. Whitney working 
working with Alyssa and working out, Mikey at work, uh, looks like, uh, Nat is back to doing hair, <laughs> Rose is at a club with go-go dancers, and then her sad little bed with mismatched linen. <laughs> she, I'm supposed to believe, that she, I'm supposed to believe that you just luxury and A-plus all the way, and you in this fucking bed with bed clothes that don't fucking match. Get the fuck out of here. Anyway. <laughs> That's it. That's our, that is the end of season one of The Real L Word. I had a great time. Normally, normally at the end of my seasons, I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Let's move on to something else. But I don't feel that way this time. And I'm really thinking about doing a weekly Patreon episode where I talk about what happens. I talk about The Real L Word. Um, the rest of the seasons, maybe I could do two episodes a season and that will give me nine more weeks, three months of this as a po three months, girl, <laughs> two months and one day and one week of this, or maybe, I don't know. I'll have to really fucking think about it, but I, it's with great sadness that I say goodbye to this first season. I had a good time. I hope you guys had a good time too. Stay tuned for next week for my Ask Me Anything episodes. Make sure you look for the post for the Ask Me Anything episodes so that you guys can ask me a question. Um, it'll be in Patreon and also be on the Instagram. And yeah, just like, dude, thanks for being around. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.